Why is it that you can't help the people that you love and care about the most? Why is it that you 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 just can't make them understand? You know, even strangers, people walking around in everyday society, doing living their drab, meaningless, purposeless, degenerating life. Why is it that you have these ideas and you can't reach to them? You can't break through the fog of their consciousness and make them feel what you feel and set them on the path that you're on, the path that's that actually yields a life worth living. You know, everyone wants to say, look, the people who live regular nine to five lives, this is the, this is the life they want. This is the life worth living. I disagree. I'm sorry. I, I do disagree. No, I'm not sorry, but I, I, I completely disagree. There's so much more to experience than what people feel and what people experience and what people have and what people enjoy and how people spend their like there is so much more. And maybe if you're like a designer on the other side working on your designs, you might even feel survivor's guilt from the fact that a lot of people are living shallowly. <sighs> Man, my name is Dallas, as you know. Uh, so, and what is up, designers? Welcome to the Grand Design Podcast. That's really all about this topic. Um, the podcast is all about taking the ideas in your head and manifesting them into the real world, into reality, in the form of mass movements. And today, that's what that's what we're going to talk about. You know, what created that firewall between you and humanity, between you and society, between you and other people? And how is it? How was that firewall created? How is it so bulletproof? How is it so maintained and so 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 impenetrable? And how you can sneak your way around? And when I say that firewall, you know what I'm talking about. It's that feeling of when you were young and you had these ideas that were different from the people around you. The ideas that weren't just go to school and go to work and die. The ideas of do something different, like, you know, build, be a ultra trillionaire, be a, be a, be a mogul, be, be somebody that builds and builds and builds and changes souls and changes humanities, even if that's not in relation to money. Be someone who writes a, a, a best-selling novel. You know, how is it that you have all these ideas and you're trying to communicate them to friends and family and you're not penetrating the fog of their mind? You're not you're not giving them the same lust for life as you. You want to live and they don't. You know, they don't want to live. That's a bizarre topic, but it's absolutely the truth of reality in the modern world. And I experienced similar things to you, man. If you haven't heard my podcast episode, I want to recap. Me, when I was young, I was a violent soul. <laughs> and not really violent, but I was just, I was, I was, I was like the rest of the society, man. I felt, I felt a lot of outrage, <laughs> you know, just pure outrage, you know, because you live this mainstream lifestyle that for the majority of it, or some of it, at least you accept it as truth because everyone else accepted it, you know, accepts it as truth. Oh, that you should just work and die and, you know, you should just subscribe to this thought pattern and this religion and you shouldn't really question anything. You should just float among life like all this stuff doesn't really matter. Uh, but what happens when somebody <laughs> really answer this question for yourself? Think back to your own experience. What happens when somebody lifts up the mat and they expose to you everything that's under it? 
the soft white underbelly. <laughs> That's a YouTube channel. <laughs> but the naked and dirty underbelly of, of, of life. What happens when you see that for the first time? For me, I didn't know how to facilitate my emotions. So, it, you know, at first it started as excitement. Like, oh my God, parents, you are wrong. And I'm right. And you're not. Yeah. <laughs> it was excitement. Like, I wanted to bring these truths to the world. And, 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 and not just about business or how you should live life or success or what the me- that means. Like... <clears throat> but to everything, you know, every single facet of life. I remember when I was younger, man, I came from like, you know, lower class area. And I'm not, you know, come on now. We were on, you know, <laughs> like and things like a tire in our area. Let's say a tire, you know, a tire was like, man, you throw on some joggers, some sweatpants, you know, some cargo shorts, um, a polo. Polo is like literal Ralph Lauren. That's fresh. You know what I mean? If you wearing sweats, throw the Nike hoodie on top. That's fresh. You know what I'm saying? Just hood attire, like dress like you in the hood. You know, throw some phone posits on. You know what I mean? Uh, funny story. Me and my buddy Rashad, who's actually a co-owner of this podcast, <laughs> even though he hasn't uploaded, Rashad, we waiting on you, man. Me and Rashad, what we used to do, uh, we used to like have this little funny ongoing joke where we would revere the phone posit. <laughs> like, we would literally like revere phone pods. It's the funny thing, funniest thing in the world. Like, but we would just like make all these stories and narratives about it being like the holy grail of shoes. Like, like what killed the dinosaurs was a phone posit coming <laughs> coming from space. That's what that's what the Roswell incident was. Like things like that, funny things around the shoe. I mean, not because it, because it was exalted in our community. One and two because it was like. It was almost ir- 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 indestructible. I remember it was a red phone posit in the middle of the street one day. Um, and somebody came and hit the phone posit. And it bl- bounced up in the air. But it came down without a blemish on it. it. Which I don't know why in our community a phone posit would be in the middle of the street. But you know what I'm saying? These are the shoes people would get robbed for. You know, when we was coming up, that was that was it. it, was, it was, we called them dopes. You know what I mean? Uh, and anybody who had the dopes, it was like, oh, I see you. You got the dopes on. You got the phone posits. like... We call them dopes. You got the dopes on, like, you know. So we go to school, and you know, you that's that's a clout. You know, that's that's clout right there. You know, uh, one of my boys had the silver, the pewter foam posits. Uh, my other boy Caruso had the uh, the uh, the light cream color. What is it, what you call it? The peach color? I don't know. The, it's the pearls. That's what it was. He had the pearls on. Okay, he had the pros though with the check on the side. Man, I remember like on eBay. It was these two thousand dollar phone posits, uh, because they were the Galaxy phone posits. Man, if I really the first time I got a job or was thinking about getting a job when I was younger, because I was in like high school, I didn't, don't think I could have worked a job at the time. I wanted to save up two thousand dollars. I'm like, man, six paychecks, man, to get two grand. I'm a hat on phone posits. Like, it's big time. You know what I mean? The phones, bro. And uh, <laughs> that never ended up happening. I was thinking about copping like a uh, like um. The replicas, all sorts of things. But then suddenly, I always had a thirst for information. Okay, and so one of the things that I, I, I fell into just being on the internet is, you know, the, the fashion gurus. So this is this is one of the venues in which I'm talking about. We have a standard for the way we believe, even in terms of attire in our community. But I stumble upon this, this, this something different, you know, these guys on the Internet. And this is when like this type of style was really just picking up. And this is not something I heard of. It was something that was new to me. So 
this community of people like Ant- Antonio Centena, Real Men Real Style, um, Al- Alpha M, Alpha Moreno, um, you know, all these different internet gurus around fashion. And like, they're telling me all these like, like, man, you got to have like the different cuts of jeans. Like you had like the skinny slim or the slim fit or the skinny, whatever, whatever the style was back then. I believe it was like slim, but it had something else in the word. Uh, but my, my, my was like, my, my favorite was like the slim, 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 dark jeans. You know what I mean? Uh, the dark color jeans is like, that's, that's fire. You know what I mean? That, that was, that was my fashion. Um, you know, and then I was learning about different types of shoes, the chucka boots, um, you know, the double monk straps, you know, uh, the derby, like, um, I started obsessing over these different, this, this different taste, this different fashion, you know, um, things that weren't from my culture. And I'm like, wow, like people, you know, the long, the long, you remember the long shirts, the long trim shirts, uh, you know, you throw on a long trim shirt with like uh with some of these dark pants and maybe like a chucka boot you know throw a jean jacket over top of it and that's that's a that's a look that i wasn't even like familiar with you know uh particularly even going into high school high school was a different culture in itself me and rashad went to the same high school it was like boat shoes sperry's you know uh with the with the khakis khakis was on fire back then khakis was the move you know khakis and they might have thrown a button up some abercrombie or something you know and so fashion even back then was a different paradigm. We came from middle school, you know, the four nine eights, that was a big one. Uh the New Balance four nine eights in Baltimore. Um with the with the um with the uh, man. It's serious. It's serious back where you from. It's serious. You know, what w- we revered in middle school was like the Hollister, the American Eagle, and the uh the uh, the Air Apostle. But you know, it was a level above that was the Ralph Lauren. And it got so serious. I remember to the point where my brother got his first pair of four nine eights and the gray ones. And he was like, he was, he was hot. He was hype. Like he was actually hype. Like he was, he was, he was literally like, like this man would wash hand wash with a toothbrush and everything. His four nights every single day. He would take out the shoestrings. He would wash them by hand and then he'd iron the shoestrings. I've never seen him this dedicated and this regimented around anything. That's how revering it was. So fashion was when I, you know, saw a different paradigm, the next level, like, or what I perceived at that time to be the next level, because all fashion is even, you know, really, it's just your taste. I'm like, I'm trying to tell people about this stuff. I'm trying to like dress different. And they're like rejecting the, the, the idea. I can't communicate to them the idea because they set on what they believe is hot or what they believe is cool. And they're not willing to change. And I'm like, man, we could blend all this together. We could do this. We could do like I'm, I'm, I'm introduced to a new world of like what I thought was was was, you know, like this is the next thing. So I'm trying to explain that idea, but I, I'm not getting through to them. People around me think like, you know, that's not who you are. My father told me this so many times. Like, why you got the button up with the boots on? That's not who you are. You feel like you're trying to be somebody else. I'm like, no, this is this is drip, father. I'm dripping. You know what that is? I'm dripping sauce. You know what I mean? I don't even know if they still say this, but I was dripping, bro. Like, care I don't care what nobody was saying, man. And uh people would constantly try to tell me different. You know what I mean? People would constantly try to tell me different, but that's what what that's what aligns with me at that point in time. I mean, if you flip the roll, you know, the roller decks, if you want to call it that, I'm not sure if that's the right word. And you go to like, let's say, uh, food, 
food, man. I'm 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 getting on the internet because I've always had like I'm watching the Hodge Twins, I'm watching like RSD, I'm watching all these different these are not necessarily food people, but they talk a lot about diet and nutrition and you know things like that. Like the Elliot Hosts, they're talking about particularly the way foods that's <clears throat> that's based you know, that taste good, that rely on dopamine triggers and instant gratification are, you know, um they're 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 they pimping us out, bro. They're pimping us out. Like that's that's what some of the things that I was learning about, like how some foods are just like they're pimping us out, but they yield like what they do is they rely like we we become addicted to to them in a way because every time we eat it, it it gives us a shot of dopamine because it tastes so good because it has but but it tastes so good because it all has all these bad things in them and the pattern of eating these food results in a negative result a negative lifestyle negative health and you can see it in not only that negative brain function and this is like when, when i'm discovering this i'm like talking to my parents like why do you keep bringing soda home it has this part of me the, the corn syrup you know why are we eating mcdonald's and chick-fil-a like we shouldn't eat this stuff like i'm gonna try to communicate this idea once again blah, 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 blah. and it, it's 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 not resonating with them you know people think i'm being bougie or being narcissistic or thinking i know everything in the world and really all i'm trying to do is help them out really all i'm trying to do is just communicate something that i think we've been missing out on our entire lives you know it, it's a constant struggle why is it that people why is it that 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 we hold on to ideals and in some ways these ideals are are are, are uh, detrimental to us in a lot of ways they're enforcing of us uh to be in mediocrity like the idea of just working and just dying like you know that's not the maximum of human potential um why is it that these ideas are, are you relating to me are you hearing me is this something that you experienced when you were younger you know why is it that these ideas are are what people's fenera their 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 entire reality is based on and why is it so unshakable and that goes into the, when I start trying to make these businesses on the internet. This is what the market believes, right? Why is it that they're unshakable? Why is it that even if my product is superior, my idea is superior, why is it that I'm having so much trouble communicating the idea, breaking into their brain? Why do I have to run a thousand dollars of ads just to get you to pay attention to something that's going to ultimately change your life for the better? Why is that? Okay. And, um, so to kind of sum that up, you know, I'm going to launch into a, a, a little bit of a different narrative that is also probably something you experienced. I want you to tell me if you relate to this. Um, so when I first started writing, OK, um, because I, I write books for people, you know, uh, well, I don't. Yeah, I write books for people and I coach people through the process of launching what I call a sales memoir. Um, because the way people traditionally write books is all wrong. It's just, it, it does nothing for the community or for their pockets at all. But the next iteration of what a book should be, the next evolution is a sales memoir. It's the marriage between a regular memoir and sales copy because it sells people on the ideas that you have in your heart. You know, it sells them on being like expert secrets. I sold us on the click photos. It's a sales memoir. Um, but a lot of people don't understand that. And so I help, I coach people to, you know, build and launch their sales memoirs, right? They're launching sales memoirs, blah, 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 and all that stuff. And so it all started for me um, with regular writing books. You know, I remember I wrote uh, this was about probably what, 2016 or something like that. 
I was in maybe, 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 uh, I, I believe it was 2016. So I'm going with that. I remember I was in college and working at the same time and, uh, I was just sitting there. Um, but this is when I first started learning about all this marketing stuff and all, you know, all these different ways in which our lives should be different. All these different ideas that we, we, you know, all these different ideas that I harbored throughout childhood, throughout high school that made me feel like a contrast from the society that was around me. All of these things were strong in my heart. Even still, you know, after graduating and going into college my freshman semester, which that was just the last semester I went to college, I, you know, they kicked me out because I got a zero GPA that semester. But, you know, I was being pulled in so many directions by so many ideas and all of them were different from what I knew. And it hurt me in so many different ways to see that, like, the people around me, they didn't know these things or they didn't resonate with these things when I taught it to them. And I just wanted to get these ideas that I felt so strongly like out into the world. I remember like watching countless videos when I got home, doing so much research, reading so many books about these topics and just feeling like, why is it that I can't tell my family and friends about this? And so I I just, the inspiration just struck me for my first book, which uh, it it was called the, you know, the winning process. And it was about, I believe the sub headline was this, um, how to, uh, how to, go from a stagnant life, you know, of despair to like a proactive and fruitful life that you actually enjoy. Um, and this was, this book was like a chimera of all the different ideas that I had learned from all these different sources, you know, that I was trying to get through the firewall of my parents. This was one of my first attempts to kind of like sneak beyond that firewall and give people these ideas. Um, it meant so much to me is, you know, I lived uh, a very disconnected life. I feel in a lot of ways when I was younger from the family around me, we didn't talk about a lot. They never knew about a girlfriend that I had. They never knew about a, about a, about a, about a, about a, you know, they never knew about the activities I did outside or at school. Um, they never knew about the belief systems that I had, you know, like the fact that I wasn't religious and things like that. I never, never, never let them listen to the music that I put out anything. I was just a closed off, you know, person. Um, because I felt that was the climate, you know, we weren't, we weren't really in a climate of sharing and expressing and hearing each other's thoughts. But, uh, this, this, some, this was my first attempt to kind of get those thoughts out to the world. This is something that I thought was important. And so later down the line, years down the line, maybe like one or two years, uh, you know, I told him I wrote a book. I didn't tell them to read it. They wrote the preview and they didn't really like it because it said some bad stuff about, you know, the way I grew up and things like that. But they read the preview of the book, I think on Amazon. Well, they found it somehow. I don't remember how that actually went down, but I think it was that I shared it with them or something like that. I didn't tell them to read it. I just told them I wrote a book and, you know, that that was that was the end of that conversation. They never really read it. But, you know, just that I, you know, just that I shared it with them was it, it was telltale the desire in me, how weighty that was to make people feel what I felt, you know. <clears throat> it's like with wrestling, even before that, I wanted people to feel how it felt to to go after things and that you could improve, that you could be somebody different, that you did your lot wasn't the fault of the government or, 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 or white people or, or, or billionaires, like your lot, you know, you could work or genetics, like you can change who you are is what I was trying to communicate. Um, and so I wrote the book and, um, you know, I didn't know a lot about marketing. So I, I went through the traditional methods of like, how do you get a book out into the world, which the traditional means of publishing and all that stuff is absolute trash. Self-publishing, the traditional way people do it, and actual publishing, the traditional way to do it is absolutely trash, and no one should ever go through that process. It's a disgusting process. But 
I'm going to get a little more into that. I remember putting the, uh, you know, I didn't have the option of publishing, obviously, because people wait 10, 20 years just to publish a book. Uh, and, and the other option was um, self-publishing through Amazon. And uh, so I self-published on Amazon because that was the only path that I had. But I didn't have the money, the resources, the technology, the know-how, all these different things to market and actually get this thing out to the world. And so the self-publishing platform actually was useless and it didn't do anything for me. Okay, and so and, and, and for most people, because I'm, an, I'm a part of a lot of uh, author groups, self-publishing doesn't do anything for you. And self-publishing, you know, it's, it, it's almost a trap in a way because you'll spend a lot of money up front. But unless you know how, you will never be profitable. You'll never make any money. You'll never like you'll never recoup that. But the way I think people should launch books, my six step process, you should be profitable from the first day before you even print a single book or before you like you, you should be profitable from day one. I know I'm ranting here, but this is something that's important to me. Um, but long story short, you know, I remember putting that onto the platform and nothing happened with it. And I kind of forgot about it because I didn't have a way to get that idea into the marketplace. Um, you fast forward a few years later to 2020 and I was talking to my girlfriend the other day. Or, or rather for the last few weeks, by the way, about... Um, acting because she she's an actor she loves to act that's her passion she says to me every day that she wants a venue to express she wants a venue to get the way she feels out into the world she just wants to be working on something she just wants to be moving she just wants to be sharing her thoughts and ideas through this art form and so many people have that emotion inside them through this art form um and she's knocking at the door every single day but here's the issue the industry that is the acting industry where all famous actor a lot of it is very reliant on the sole fact and uh she likes the industry well i'm not going to say that i'm not going to give her opinion on this one uh but but the problem with the industry is that this it's really reliant on just whether people in the big industry like you or not you see you have to go through all these loops loopholes uh, and get all this different acceptance, which, by the way, you have to take your original identity. You have to take your original identity and crush it into a form that they can understand. You have to marginalize yourself just to get them to accept you. You have to play the society's game just to get them to accept you. You know, and so um, that, 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 that's one of the issues that she was running into. You know, she has she she hasn't found a way, number one, to actually reformulate, you know, formulate herself into a different way that people actually accept. She's trying to figure out what that is. But two, it's just uh, it, it's a ridiculous process. There's so many people with ideas and they have to strain themselves through this small system just to get to the top. There's there's a marginalization of of, of people and the way people feel. You see what I'm saying? There's a, mar- there's a there's a restriction of ideas. And so. You need an agent, you need a manager, and even still, they have to get the acceptance of, the, the, you know, they're your bridge to the industry. And even they get got, they got to get the acceptance of the director. You have to go, you have to get, uh, everyone has to like you, you know, which that entails what? Being someone they like and not yourself. Mm, excuse me. Everyone has to like you just in order to break through this door. Okay. And so she's been knocking at the door. And she's a troop about it. She's a soldier about it. She's she's doing her best. But 
I remember sitting in a conversation, uh, sitting in the car the other day, and she's just frustrated about the whole entire process at large. And so we're talking, we're chatting, we're chatting. And uh, I remember just telling her, like, man, that's insane. Like, you know, somebody has to do something about this. Someone has to do something about this, which kind of got me into a state of reflection and thinking, like, where else have I seen this? It got me thinking about writing. Oh, there's pretty much you got to get a literary agent the same as the agent and a manager in acting and the agent has to appeal that's your gateway to the publishing company and so but when you give it to the to the publishing company or to the agent or whoever they're going to tear your ideas apart they're going to edit it they're going to make sure it's up to their standard your original thought kind of perishes in that process they want to they want to destroy you in your work they want to take you out of your work. You see what I'm saying? Like, and it, it, uh, you're probably wondering, how does this connect to me not being able to tell my friends and family anything and not being able to communicate to the people who aren't in big industry? I'm going to tell you how. Um, there's a marginalization of ideas. There's a controlling of ideas. You can't publish a book, which there's a loophole. And I realized this because I remember looking at the music industry and realizing oh snap the music industry you have to sign to a label to get big but if you really look at the pathways of different act different rappers a lot of them are going big independent and that's the key to some of the things that we're going to discuss down the road but you have this 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 established industry okay that's what you have and even in like business if you want to start a business it's very difficult to start a business right it's very difficult and it's a lot of people struggle with it. But how is it that a lot of people get their businesses to blow up and be billion dollar businesses? What they do is they appeal to big business owners. They give away equity in their company in exchange for capital. But guess what happens when you give away equity in your company? You don't own it anymore. You don't own it anymore. Then the idea of the company is that, you know, they, they kick Steve Jobs out of Apple. Duh, because he gave away the idea of Apple to investors and they took it and made it what they wanted to. You know, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Elon Musk went through some of the same processes uh, of being removed as the CEO of his company or the, or, or the chairman of his company or some. They're, they're, you know, he doesn't own the majority of his company. He owns about 17 percent. Jeff Bezos owns 16 percent of his company. Now, he made it to the top through the sheer mass of his company, albeit, but. He doesn't control the direction in the idea. It's a conglomerate of people that are outside of himself. And this is even smaller for small business owners. Think about Shark Tank. They own Shark Tank just to get their company to blow up. And people take chunks of their company so that they can have control of the creative direction of it. And this is a nonstop process. This is the idea that I'm trying to communicate here. In society, we have ideas. We have ways we feel. And we want to promote those things and make them big. We want to make them we want to make them impactful. But you know what happens? The best bridges to make them impactful, the best mediums to make them impactful are these established companies who control the distribution of these ideas, like publishing companies, like like age, like 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 uh, like the big media companies that control acting like the record labels. They're the established companies and with the established companies, they're already at the top. You know why these companies are already at the top? Because 
the ideas like, you know, the ideas that you're putting out that will change people and change their establishment. They're denying them and they're keeping like the ideas that support them being at the top. That's what they change your idea into once they accept you. They take your clout. They take your energy of your uprising. If you even get to that point, you need them for an uprising half the time. And they change it into something that's a supplementary of who they are. And the only thing that's coming out of the, that is, uh, you know, to just to su- think about it like this. You know, a lot of parents, for example, believe that their children should go to these schools and then their children should go to college. College is what? A lot of colleges are privately owned. A college is an industry. Where do you think the idea of going to college and that being an honorary thing? Because first off, college is just, you know, the school system is just a long runway of ideas to create, you know, the mentality in you of being a worker. You know, it's just a long strip of indoctrination that's bringing you into the workforce to work for who? The established companies, the established brands that are already out there for sure. And, uh, you know, you if you're if you're if you're employed to them, how could you ever they, they pay you? They support your life. You can't you can't you can't support an idea that's not theirs. That doesn't belong to them. They own you. And the idea, what, what, what keeps, what keeps, you see, so the parents already believe that you should go to college, even if you don't. But where is that belief coming from? It's coming from the news. It's coming from the, from all sorts of media. It's coming from these companies and their ads, the back, the school, whatever it is. It's coming from these people who are pushing statistics. It is coming from what is already established. The mainstream idea. And these ideas are pumping out of this, 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 this 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 conglomerate of companies at such a, 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 a absurd rate and for so long your parents have been alive 30 years hearing the same exact message how is it that when you're born and you know that you're you're going to be able to tell them something different your parents believe drinking coffee is healthy they drinking coke is not that bad because coke runs ads and even if lebron has a different idea he's getting a paycheck from coke because LeBron came through a system that told him the same thing. And if somebody else is coming up and they have an idea, well, a lot of them, in order to promote their idea and get it big in the first place, they got to give up control. And if they don't give up control, a lot of them are going to be outcompeted because these companies have resources enough to just burn through it. Just burn. Uh, very few people will say no to a dollar amount. Especially if it's like lead or gold. You get shot or you get gold. Because getting shot, it's okay. You don't want to be at purchase and get a billion dollar payday. Well, guess what? We're just going to spend burn capital, you know, to outcompete you and to shove you out of the marketplace. I think Jeff Bezos is at the diaper.com. That's what you're up against. The people around you, they feel the way they feel because the ideas that can change them once they get begin to get mass. They go through that process, they, like they get consumed. And so the only thing that's being promoted on a large scale is the ideas that they already believe and that they already feel. And it's being pumped into them at such a rate. It's like you're being told that from, from, from everybody around you since you were younger to believe in whatever religion you believe in. And for a lot of people, they're just not able to override that. You don't have enough, a, a big enough Follow, following or a body of evidence to override them. Think about it. Human beings are uh, pack creatures. They, they belong in packs. They belong in cliques. 
If your click is smaller than the main click, you know, in our caveman primitive brain, being in the out group, because that's what you are, you're smaller than the main click. So out group is, you know, it's 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 uh, indicative of danger, being an outcast, being someone who wants something different. You know, and that's why a lot of children who are gay, gay, being gay, it's a sub, it's a subculture. It's an, you know, it's a group of people who are, who have been historically ordained in society as outcast. And so they want to hide these things from their parents. And a lot of them, you know, commit acts of, you know, suicide and things like that, you know, because they don't want to be, you know, they, they can't, they can't deal with that. It's a lot to deal with for a young person or even for an older person. It's hard. You know, to, to to face that pressure of and that fear of if I step into this in group, I'm going to be out group. I'm going to be castrated. So they're either kept in line or they try to deny who they are and try to be some. They live a separate life that's that's not them, and they end up being unhappy. What is what is key to this entire thing is this: if you look around you, so so what we have so far is that there is an established group of companies and there's a, you know that promote an established idea and that other ideas are kind of being marginalized but here's the thing this is a, a kind of like the silver lining or like the bright side of this podcast i'm not trying to just be negative and rah 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 the bright side of this podcast is that with the introduction of the modern era and the introduction of technology this is a recent thing i want you to understand that the internet wasn't really popular to like 2001 but even still with that internet the majority of people weren't using it. You know, the, the pe- people, people finally got the ability to communicate in the ways we do at the speed of light. You know, what happens is this. Since technology has exploded and communication has exploded, it isn't as easy as it once was to marginalize the ideas that people have. What is stopping and holding people back is ignorance and their mindset. They don't believe they can do it. But if you look at it, in so many different industries, people are popping up and creating these beautiful big things, and, like in actually winning. You know, I remember if you f- fast forward back to 2015, and this is something that really set a light bulb in my head. You know, um, Kanye West. Kanye West was in a position where he was releasing through Nike. Um his shoes and his clothing through the Yeezy brand, Yeezy's brand. And that year he claimed to be $56 million in debt or something like that. And uh, when he got on Sway in the morning, and this is a conversation that a lot of people laughed at with the house Sway, but it resonated with me was he said that because he was a rapper or because of who he was, and he's a multi, he obviously was a multimillionaire, hundred millions of dollars in net worth at the time, you know, uh, and he went in debt trying to promote his ideas. What he said was this. Well, I have this amazing idea and it's obviously selling like wildfire. But the people in these groups at Nike and these different uh, companies, because I don't have the means to distribution like they have, they're marginalizing me and blocking me in. When he went to release the Red Octobers, they wouldn't let him release it because it was too competitive with their other shoe to fly in it. And so what he felt was that they didn't want to let his brand get big. And I remember him feeling that, like, I remember, like, I remember, like, looking at that conversation and really 
And I've, that was some of the days where, like, I used to not like Kanye when I was younger. But he's, like, my one of my favorite human beings because of his ideas at this point in time. And I remember looking at that conversation and being one of the first conversations that really opened my eyes and really resonating with it. Man, so you, you can't even, like, you're a millionaire. Like, you're, a mul- you're hundreds of millions of dollars and you can't even do it. You can't even do it. Like, but here's the thing. You fast forward. How many years has it been? Four years later, he was saying his company was going to be the biggest. And he managed to, you know, bring his company to $3 billion and retain 100% ownership. Now, the production is still done through Adidas. But you notice Adidas doesn't have ownership over it. So if you look at that story, what has changed is this. Something changed to make Adidas believe that they cannot control the promotion of this idea. And what's the philosophy when you can't beat them? What is it? You can't beat them, you join them. Something in them thought, okay, this is going to grow and this is going to blow up. So what we have to do is somehow just, you know, benefit from it, you know, uh, partner with it. Say we're going to expedite the process and make it easier for you because you're going to get it anyway. And we're just going to take a small chunk of it. We're just going to take, you know, some, some, some revenue from it. And so Kanye went from 56 million in debt to being a multi-billionaire. He says his net worth is $3.3 billion. Forbes says it's $1.3 billion. Either way, it's a billion dollars. A thousand million dollars. How insane is that? Now think about it. What changed between 2016 and 2020? And just to kind of put it put it out to you is like information and technology. He learned how it is that he builds things, one, and the the hardware that helps these things become built is no longer restricted. There can no longer be a gatekeeper. People can't box in ideas as easily because we have so many mediums to let them flow and blow up as long as we know the strategy behind it. And so regardless of how Adidas felt, felt, if Adidas wanted to throw a temper tantrum, he could have done it without him. Because the world is different now. You know, now, if you look at another anecdote, for example, um, Chance the Rapper. Chance the Rapper is a completely independent artist. He doesn't even sell his music. That would have been unheard of in another era. All these different guys coming up, XXXTentacion, Lil Peep, um, Lil Pump, all these different artists are going unsigned. Because there's a hidden secret that a lot of people don't realize, but that they realize. They no longer need the record labels. They no longer need the establishment. They can provide and create ideas like they want. And you see this even happening on an even smaller and micro level with the Twitter community. Uh, I, I despise Twitter. <laughs> I don't think Twitter is good for anyone. And maybe I should use Twitter. But uh, the ideas on Twitter, if you have an idea that society resonates, resonates with, you can put it out. It immediately it can blow up overnight and hundreds of millions, millions of people can see it. And this is uh, the reason I don't like Twitter is because this is both rightfully so and unrightfully so been weaponized because the ability to communicate at a large, you know, at at a huge rate. And they don't have it down to a science, by the way, it's just by luck on Twitter. But uh, some of these businesses that I'm talking about have it have it down to the science Um, with Twitter. The thing is, a lot of these people haven't like 
gone through the process of learning how to spread their message to the world. And so they're unrefined people and unrefined people are usually like of the mass and have emotions that are, you know, they're unwell. You know, the, the, the mass of people, they're not enjoying their life. They're not having fun. So they have the negative emotions like anger, fear, grief, rage, all these things. And so what usually comes out of Twitter is outrage. And so this ability to sometimes just, you know, even with luck, spread ideas is what's usually being spread is outrage. You know, it's, it's usually targeted at somebody or a group and, you know, it, it's just a nasty scene. But the idea is this, that because of the introduction of these new medias, particularly social media, you know, ideas can travel at the speed of thought and no one can have their hand in it. Even in terms of, you know, like politicians like Donald Trump. You know, Donald Trump wasn't a politician, but he somehow he how he became the president. And it was on the utilization. You know, what is Donald Trump's number one platform? It's Twitter. What other politician use Twitter? What other politician use social media? Can we name one? You know, what is his name? Uh, Ken, Ken, the billionaire uh, that was running for the for the election this year. What is he trying to do? He's paying meme people to make memes for him. He was trying to utilize the new medium, the new pathway to create a movement and override the old establishment of, okay, you got to go through these different television programs because that's what it was back in the day. It was a few television programs and, you know, the people who were politicians who had all the money could buy up spaces on all of them. And so you see this entire revolution happening in the modern era of people who can do things without the established, you know, uh, rain, rain and raining companies or the reigning uh, media distribution channels or the reigning ideas. And that's why the tagline of ClickFunnels, if you go to the uh, Marketing Secrets podcast, Russell Brunson's tagline is that we can how we can build up businesses without using cheating and using venture capital and taking on outside capital. That's one of the big ideas because it's going against it's positioning itself against that entire establishment that they all know is real. Um, we can create ideas and produce them and make them big from scratch. And that's the idea that I'm trying to communicate. And all of that is on the basis of this new technology, really just social media. It's all on the basis of having social media. But a lot of people underestimate their ability to do so. And really, that's what this podcast is all about. How do we take movements from out of our head and push them out into the world in the form of mass movements? It's about leveraging this new media using a particular, you know, the strategy of building mass movements, which is what this podcast talks about. It's all about being you know knowing the rules and the regulations and the tactics and the strategies behind being a designer you see what i'm saying so um what do i have to say about um uh what was i going to say i don't know this entire podcast so it's, it's slowing down it's about 12 30 a.m at night but um yeah that's really all i have to say for this episode man like it's 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 there's a strategy for the way that we produce ideas and put them out into the world. And ideas can't, they can't really be controlled anymore. Um, I was actually making a point about that. I just blanked about, about it. But, um, you know, and, and, and okay, with, with the parents is what I'm talking about. And whereas with the parents, you know, um, a lot of these ideas that they felt, you know, um, you know, that they feel in their heart, closest to their heart. Um, a lot of them, you'll go to them and try to speak. You know, you can't you can't break the way they feel. 
because or previously you might have not have been able to break the way they feel because there is a sta- you know established thought presiding over all of us in society and a lot of people have been trained to believe that but social media also has made it so that in groups and out groups can switch overnight you know behind Trump's campaign there you know the in group of the world before that was uh you know well you got to you, you can't say anything really wrong you got to you know, you gotta, you gotta be polite. You gotta be nice. You gotta be cool. But then he comes on his platform and he talks about, you know, he says, oh, these people need to be deported. We're going to build a wall, all these different things. And you fast forward a few months later and that's not really, it's, you know, that's, that's, that's not really an outgroup anymore. It's debatable at this point. There are a lot of people raging. We have our rights. We run in the streets with ARs. You know, we're going to do what we want to do. We're going to say what we want to say. We're going to feel how we want to feel. He made an in-group instantaneously. And that's, like I said, relying on the, you know, and that's, 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 that's based on his ability to know how. I mean, that's, that's based off a, a particular strategy. That's, that's, that's based off, you know, knowing the mechanics as a designer to promoting your design. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to decide whether I really want to break down the strategy within this podcast episode because I've broken it down in four episodes. But I think I want to, you know, I got about 15 minutes left before I hit an hour mark. So I think I'm going to break it down. I might as well. But here's what I have to say about that. So we have like, uh, so these are the three components of how you do that. You know, these are the three components of, you know, of design. How do you take your design or, or, or really making a, making your design a massive movement? A mass movement. How does how does it that you take your central idea and make it a mass movement? But it's important that you have a central idea because a lot of people don't have a central idea. Okay, and so you know, in in Russell Brunson, someone who's built his brand to a billion dollars without even taking on any outside capital, he wrote kind of the blueprint on this. Is what I'm going to explain to you, and it's called Expert Secrets. You can get it at expertsecrets.com. Uh, I don't get paid to say that. I just love the book and think it's an amazing idea. But he kind of wrote the blueprint for rallying people in the modern era behind what it is that you feel. Okay. And so the components of a mass movement are as follows, which uh, the vehicle to do so uh, usually is always business because you need to move capital behind your idea to promote it. But here's what a mass movement is. A mass movement, the first component of a mass movement is an attractive character. You know, you have to be somebody... That people can't take their eyes off, that they're graduate, you know, that they, they, they gravitate towards someone that they just can't get enough of. You know, they like they, they like you. You got a good personality or maybe they even dislike you. You know, you got to be prolific, you know, which means like, uh, you know. You got to have ideas that aren't really mainstream. OK, uh, I guess that kind of falls into the other categories, like, but you got to have ideas that are controversial. OK, ideas that are 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 unique and new you got to be somebody that cares about your following you gotta you gotta be an attractive character man you gotta and i'll, I'll break down what an attractive character is in another podcast episode but you know what you know what i'm saying you got to be a leader to your nation man someone that they like yeah that they want to follow okay uh the second thing that you have to do is be um have a have a have a cause have a future-based cause where is it that you're going like people, Donald Trump's, you know, following, they love him. He's an attractive character of him, of his tribe. He has a future-based cause. We're going to make America great again. Because right now, people are trying an old vehicle, an old opportunity, an old mission, and they're not liking it. They're not enjoying it. They're not having a good time. 
And so they want to, they want to have hope. It's one of the biggest parts of any movie. They want to have hope in the future that's different from the things that they're experiencing right now. Okay, and so you can have social media. You can have a channel to to produce your ideas and beat these industries, beat the establishment. But what you have to do, you have to have the strategy behind it. And a lot of people have these two components. That's the thing. And I talked about this in another podcast, I believe, or maybe I did a video on it, on the difference between having a brand and having a mass movement. A lot of people have a brand because they have these two components, the attractive character and a future-based cause. But here's the thing. They're just making a bunch of noise because there are a lot of attractive characters, a lot of future-based causes. But what makes them unique, what makes them different from another from another person, you know what I'm saying, in their same in their same market. You see, if, 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 because a lot of people try to do this, you know, they try to build an attractive character, which is cool. You can build attractive character and they try to build a cause, but the cause is not inherently different. You know, it's, 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 it's a surface change, but it's not like a deep change. It's like, you know, a lot of cell phone companies are out there. Apple's the category king of cell phone companies. You can't beat Apple. Uh, but then someone will think they're building something different by coming behind them and say, this is a black owned cell phone company. no, 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 no. That's 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 the same exact thing. It's a different brand, but it's the exact same thing. It's not a movement because a movement relies on this last thing that I'm going to tell you. It's like a brand is like, okay, I'm a Democrat. Elephants, red ties. Okay, every Republican's like that. But Donald Trump was different because he was a movement. He wasn't. He had the brand, sure. The brand is the personality of your business, or the personality of your movement, or the personality of is yes, the personality of business, which includes the attractive character, which includes where you're going. We're really just the attractive character, but it goes beyond that. And so every every politician, you know, goes up to bat and they're Democrat, they're blue, they're donkey. The, that's a brand and they have a slogan. Sure, they have they, they, they give people hope. But it's one thing that's different between a brand, the personality of the business and having that brand be something that actually trend, you know, is it, when a brand becomes a part of the audience's spirit. When they identify as the thing themselves, that's where the, you know, that's, that's when the gasoline gets put on the, on, on the, the fire gets to the, the spark gets put on the gasoline. That's what changes things. And so the third component that people are missing of the mass, uh, uh, of creating their mass movement is this. You can have the medium of the internet. You can have ideas going out at mass speed, but you need this last part even still. Um, so you got the attractive character. You got the future-based cause. And I really want to talk about this last one in detail because I didn't go into detail about this in the other podcast. Uh, it's, it's, it's the new opportunity. That's the one part that's missing, the new opportunity. And the special thing I realized about the new opportunity is it's literally category design. You have to design a separate category. And whereas there's a lot of brands on Instagram and a lot of people who are just completely like noise, like they're just noise, they're just blabbing. And they're no different from anybody else. Like, I'm going to reiterate this part because I don't know if I said this in other podcasts. But, like, I grew up, for example, I grew up watching, like, uh, Owen Cook and, you know, Russell Brunson and all these different entrepreneurs and feeling like, okay, these guys are different. These guys are special. These guys are at the top of the mountain. And everyone below them was kind of just noise. Okay? And uh, a lot of people that they follow felt this way. Like, they felt emotional about the things that were put out where as... You know, every other entrepreneur identity that comes up in the marketplace or self-help guru, whatever it is, they're just another guru. They're just noise. Like they don't really you don't see them having comments under their material. That's like emotional comments. Like you changed my life. Whereas these people at the top, they were different. Um, 
And I always wondered about that. It was like, man, these guys are at the top and, you know, these guys at the bottom are making so much noise. There's so much noise in the industry, but these guys at the top, it's like they have a special frequency that is tuned to just infiltrate through the noise and go straight into the minds of the people that they're trying to reach. And how is that possible? And I remember I got into the online business game and I started making business after business after business after business. And my businesses generally for the, they were contributing to the noise. People didn't understand and resonate and feel my ideas like they might feel the ideas from a Trump or like a Russell Brunson or Owen Cook. Like, and I, I really didn't know why. And it wasn't until I cracked open the Extra Secrets books and as well as the Play Bigger book and started to read. And that's when I kind of had a light bulb going off in my, in my brain. The idea is this. These guys who are just making noises, they're just brands. Okay? They're, they're you know, emotion is caused when you go deep on a person. You know, what brands do is that they, they, they do the things that, you know, appeal to a lot of people. They appeal to a mass of people, which is not a mass movement. A mass movement is when you appeal to a, a select group of people on a deep level. Okay? So instead of going deep, they go wide. They do the things that, you know, that, like I said, they, they, they mistake numbers and volume for actual impact and going deep on someone's soul. You know, what I mean by going deep is like a brand. Like I said, it's, it's a personality of a business. But a movement is when that brand becomes part of that person's soul. When it becomes part of their spirit. When they start to identify as it. And so, like, let's say somebody else from another in-group comes and talks crap about ClickFunnels. The people who are in the ClickFunnels community, they don't feel like they're talking bad about my free brand. They said they, they feel like they're talking bad about us. They're talking bad about us. Me, my people. They're talking bad about us, which revokes a completely different experience. You defend, you know, your favorite bookstore. You defend it, but you won't defend it like you defend yourself, your tribe, your family. That's why people go and they cry when they go to Marvel movies. Martin Scorsese, Quentin Tarantino, those are brands. Yeah, sure. And people love their movies. Yeah, sure. But Marvel fans... They, they that is a that is a movement. It is in their soul, and so that they got like top. They got like five movies in the top grossing movies of all time. People go to their movies and cry because it's a movement. It's not a brand. That's they're special. They have that special frequency that's tuning into Marvel fans' heads, even though it's so much movies coming out every year. Even though it's so much noise that's in the in the market every year, they have that Owen Cook, Russell Brunson frequency, and uh, like, look, man, like that 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 that's it. You. It's all based on the fact that brands do things that, like I said, they 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 go for numbers instead. They go for wide instead of depth. And so you'll see this on Instagram a lot. Why Instagram is just terrible and it's a bunch of noise. A bunch of people on Instagram, what they do is like they post these special pictures with different colors. Like brands, what brands do, they work on the personality of the business, being the attractive character, being the showboat. You know, uh, that's really the, the 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 really the biggest qualification of what is just a brand. Um, they do the colors, the logos, they dress in suits and talk nice and show the Lamborghinis. They show all these different things. But the problem with them is that even though they're, they're changing these cosmetic differences about themselves, they're still in the same exact market as everyone else. You know, what, a, what, what, what being a brand is, is like moving around and positioning yourself differently within the same opportunity as everybody else. And so what a red ocean is, is an ocean like it's, it's, it's hyper competitive. It's it's the mainstream. That's what the red ocean is. It's a main. And so you're moving around your positioning inside of that same mainstream idea. It's like school. The school system is, is a red ocean. It's a mainstream idea. OK, what branding is, is like being a different school or a different college 
in the school system or being a different teacher in a school building. Like you're not changing the opportunity. You're not changing. You're just, you're just, you're just positioning. Like you, it's like being the, the best college. You're still in the school system. Okay. You're still in the school system. You're not, you're not a different idea. You're not in a different market. You're in the same market. You're just positioning yourself differently in that market. You know, trying to fight or attract a different segment of that oversaturated market. And the general idea behind you, even though that your your perspective on that idea is different. I mean, it is the same. The general idea behind what you represent is the same. You're still in the school system. The The component that these other people that are at the top of the mountain that are quote unquote special that they have that other people don't have the frequency that allows them to tune through, you know, tune in through the crowd is that they are a completely new opportunity. They've designed a category, a blue ocean that is not what people are already in. You see what I'm saying? And because they've, you know, designed a blue ocean, which the only way to design a blue ocean is or rather that that designing of a blue ocean is on the basis of them going very deep and empathizing and caring a lot with the people within the red ocean field um to break this down a little better like Stephen larson said it best like uh freaking like there's there are three personalities of the red ocean and they uh, the expert secrets of dot-com expert secrets the expert secrets book the updated version covers this very well the first personality is the diehard. The other person that loves the system that they're in. They love the ocean that they're in. They love. It's like people who love the school system and love working and love nine to five jobs, like your parents and your friends. That's the diehard fan of that opportunity of the red ocean. You can't really change them. Then it's the people who are satisfied, who will go into a new opportunity. They're like, ah, oh, the school system is all right, but it's just based on like logical things, like numbers and things like that. And then it's the third group of people in the red ocean in the in, in the opportunity. It, they hate the vehicle that they're in. It's Stephen Lawrence's idea, by the way. They hate the opportunity at the end, and it's not going to take a lot for them to just be like, yeah, I want to do something else, because they absolutely hate the way things are being done. It's like you and I, designers, we're in a school system, and we just want to design, man. We just want to design. We just want to create. We just want to make something different. And the moment we grow up and hear the first idea, boom, you can be an entrepreneur. You know, because we're not indoctrinated by the establishment, which the Red Ocean is really just the establishment, you know, because we haven't been indoctrinated by that yet. The moment someone's or, or because we are against it, because we hate it, and we just pure reject it for whatever reason. The moment someone says there's a different opportunity, they don't even have to convince us. We just jump ship. We just completely jump ship. And so what 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 the special frequency is that they're not focused. They're not trying to make a brand and go wide and focus on everybody in that red ocean. They're focusing on people who they know, who feel like them, who hate that red ocean. And they're focusing on bringing them out of it. And so that special frequency is like the reason that they're special is because they are and became a mass movement is because they designed a new opportunity for people who hated it. Who hated the opportunity that they were in. Whereas everybody else is just in the they're the same as everybody else. You know, we, we they're they're just another business coach. They're just another, they're just another you know, website designer. They're just another self-help teacher they're just another you know they're just another this it, it, it isn't till you become something different that your idea becomes a mass movement entirely category design you have to design a new category it's like donald trump people hate the establishment the politicians that are already in it supposedly and the new opportunity he, he designed was that okay 
Yeah, I hate those politicians over there too, those stale people. But I'm 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 one of the people. I'm not part of that establishment. I'm erratic. I can do what I want. I have my own free will. And so the new opportunity is people who are not an establishment. He's speaking to the people who hate that. For example, so 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 like uh like Russell Brunson, people he he, he what he attacked was the people who hate websites, who weren't having a lot of successful websites. Or even if you go deeper than that, people who are in the red ocean of the school system. He says, hey, y'all hate the school system. I think it's useless too. And the people who hate that just say, hey, he agrees with us. Let's jump ship. Or, hey, I hate websites. Mike, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a juxtaposition that's, that's polar to what, every, what the mainstream is saying and to what a certain percentage of the mainstream dislikes. It's polar to that. That's what I'm trying to explain. Um, and, and, and that's, that's the last component that's, that's, that I think everybody's missing. Like Owen Cook, like, uh, a lot of people are in a vehicle, like they believe in the vehicle of, oh, in order to get a girlfriend, I just have to be a nice guy and be, get a nice job and get cars and things like that. And Owen says, no, this is stupid. This is a stupid idea. If you want to date or learn how to date or, or he transits to self-help now, but if you want to learn how to date, the answer is this, go to do, try this pickup stuff. This is the real truth. A lot of people say, if you want to live a full life, just do uh, do this, do this. He said, no, that's stupid. You want to come over here and do something. You want to do this over on the side. You don't want to follow what the mainstream is saying. And the people who hate the lives that they're living and hate the mainstream, they're just going to jump over here without a doubt. And that's the third component of a mass movement. You got to have an attractive character. Like Joe Exotic. People like him for some reason. Or Carol Baskin. You got to have hope, a future based cause, but you got to design a new category. Apple didn't come out and say, hey, we got cell phones. People hated cell phones because they were unreliable and they were trash. He said, look, cell phones are trash. We got smartphones. They said, hey, look, we got smartphones. Everybody said, look, y'all, these smartphones and these cell phones, they cool. Sure. We got iPhones. How many companies tried to come out with the idea of a tablet, but they just called it a keyboardless laptop? That's one thing I learned or, or from expert secrets is you don't want to improve things. You want to make something entirely different. You don't improve things. You want to make something entirely different. And so people say, oh, you got these uh, these keyboardless laptops. No one buys. All Apple did was just all Steve Jobs did was say, hey, we have something entirely different. The next generation, we have tablets. We have tablets. And so that that's 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 the idea. You want to transition to something different. I I'm beating a dead horse and this podcast is going longer than a lot of people listen to. But uh man, I hope I'm explaining everything on point. And that's why I say like traditional publishing is trash. Self-publishing is trash. You know, the traditional ways that we get our ideas out into the world, even being an entrepreneur for the most part is trash. You know, because of the context behind some of these things, the ideas behind some of these things, the tag of entrepreneur it, 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 it's, it's based a lot in just grinding and hustling when really, if you're a visionary, what you want to do in, in, in competitiveness and being the one, all these nasty ideas that, I mean, a lot of people might hate me for saying this, but it's the truth. You don't really want to touch your work. You, all your I, All you have to do is hold the vision, hold the idea from your work, and the rest is in collaboration 
entrepreneurialism really, from what I see about it, a lot of the times is about building a, a, a vehicle for self for, for, for self-indulgence, for self-importance. What a designer is about is building a vehicle for design, for impact. You see what I'm saying? And so I want to wrap this up by saying this, man. Because this one is going on forever. I could beat this dead horse all day, but why do that when I can separate it into different episodes? And that's why I say the way most entrepreneurs and the way most people in the real world, authors included, coaches, speakers, um, whatever you want to call yourself, is the way they write books is just trash. And that's the truth. And the way we go to publish these ideas into the world, whether it's through a book or not, I think the best way to build mass movements is through a book. Because you can build attractive character, you can build uh, the future-based cause, and you can build the opportunity switch, install that all in one central idea and release it as a book and promote that and it's one and done. It'll profitably build your tribe and community and it'll profitably funnel people into your business that are diehard fans. But regular books and the regular way people write them, they don't do that because it doesn't sell you an idea. Okay? And so, really... Look, if, if what we, we call that the marriage between a regular memoir and a sales memoir, the next generation of books, we call that, you know, a, a regular memoir in a, in a, in a, in copy, sales copy, we call that a sales memoir. And it does a little bit about what I'm telling you about right here. Um, and so I'm still assembling people around this company because we disassembled, then we're trying to assemble it back up. Um, but if you want, I'm going to take five, if you want to indulge in this, I'm taking five people in training and, and I'm, I'm, I'm helping them put together their sales memoir and launching them, launching it for them so that they're profitable on the first day for absolutely free. Okay. It's a little beta test I want to do. It's a six step process. I believe that can help people, especially in the modern era and using, utilizing some of the things that we talk about, get these ideas that they're feeling out into the modern world. Okay. And really help battle against that establishment that's trying to suppress their ideas. You don't have to go through publishing companies. You don't have to go to people with venture capitals. You, you know, this kind of knocks out all birds in one stone. It funnels people into your business so that it grows without taking on capital in a profitable way. And also, the six-step launch process helps you circumvent things like publishing companies who taint your idea and somehow find a way to funnel you into that established train of thought that's already out there. And so... If you are a designer and you have a design in your mind, the best way to build your design is through a sales funnel, not a sales funnel, a sales memoir, because it does all of what I'm talking about. Uh, and so if you want a sales war memoir, if you want it for free, because we're doing a beta test for only five people, this is like a ten dollars to $25,000 service, depending on where you're entering. Um, if you want that done for you for free, all you have to do, do is go to www.memoirlaunch.com slash launch list. Uh, and we're going to pick someone from that list. Um... Uh, we might do like a, a randomized raffle, but we're going to pick five people from that list to actually help them build and launch their books. And the rest, you can actually, the rest of y'all, y'all can actually uh, go through the regular process. But www.memoirlaunch.com slash launch list if you want to build a sales memoir and build your tribe and community around in a profitable way using some of the new specs and technology that we have in a modern era to kind of do so. Um, man, but yeah, all I really wanted to say in this podcast is look, they're trying to squeeze you. They're trying to crush you. They're trying to kill your souls and your ideas. And it is on us to not let them do that. Is it, on, it, it is on us. We, got, we might have to take the long way. But to find a way to rewrite what it is that our family and friends and everybody in the world is feeling. To build an in-group that is mass and beautiful. And is all serving to one design.
What is your design? Oh man, this is this is, this is a long one. This is this is a this is a crazy one, man. It's coming up on one o'clock, but um, yeah, that's all I really have to say, man. That's all I really have to say. Don't let them crush your idea. Don't let them crush your dream. The perfect thing about you know the way and you got to realize that why I say a sales memoir is the best way to do it is because everything in the world is influenced by story, man. We have habits and patterns that we follow because a story, you know, because it's a story fueling that. We wake up and brush our teeth every morning, like I always say. I say this a thousand times because of the story of what that's going to result in when we're 60. And so we got to restart rewriting these stories at a quicker and more potent rate than, 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 than these, these companies, than the mainstream can. That's our job on this planet, man. That is our job. And if you want to do your job effectively, you have to have capital coming in. You have to be profitable and your story has to be potent. You can't just write information in a book. It doesn't work. Try it with a webinar. Try to teach in a webinar and sell something that in. It doesn't work. There's a hybrid way that information is transmitted that changes people's story and therefore their pattern. Um... So if you want a sales memoir written for you, go to www.memoirlaunch.com slash launch list. We're going to take five people from that list and uh, we're going to write their, well, help them put together their sales memoir and launch it for absolutely free. Um, this is a $10,000 service to $25,000 service, depending on which funnel you're entering through and which time period you're entering through. But uh, yeah, man, that's all I really have to say, man. I appreciate you for listening, man. It's the Grand Design Podcast all about, you know, moving your ideas from your mind up into mass movements in the real world. And um, I hope I made sense in this podcast. And uh, wherever you at, man, I hope you're happy. I hope you're enjoying yourself. I hope you have a good time. And I hope you're not letting society crush your ideas and your originality. No matter which form, if it's a publishing office, whether it's a, a, a media agency, whatever it is, you can do it on your own. You can do it from independence. That's all I have to say. Thank you. This is Dallas. Peace out.